All right, well, we'll go ahead and get started and uh, I'm sure we'll have more people joining us uh, here in a few moments, but welcome everybody. Glad that you're here tonight uh, for this COSIDA U edition of the COSIDA Coffee Shop. Uh, once again, we wanna welcome everyone that has joined in tonight. This is gonna be a lot of fun and uh, hopefully we can uh, answer any questions and offer up some good stories and some good tips as you all um, think about a career in the sports information industry. Uh, we've got a lot of topics uh, that the panelists and I have talked about uh, doing tonight. So we'll have a little bit of a structure, but we're gonna leave plenty of time for Q&A and some comments uh, throughout this hour. Uh, I wanna start by going ahead and um, introducing everybody to our panelists tonight. Uh, we have Allison Hogue. She is in her first year at Coker University as the Assistant Director of Athletics Media Relations. Uh, Coker is a Division II school. Uh, Allison has also spent time as an intern at the University of Florida and with the Women's Basketball Co uh, Coaches Association. And she's a member of the Young Professionals Committee within COSIDA. Uh, we also have Ryan Small. Ryan is in his second year at St. Anselm. It's a little tongue twister for me. Sorry, Ryan. Um, he is the Assistant Director of Athletic Communications there. He is also a member of the Young Professionals Committee within COSIDA, uh, like Allison. Uh, Ryan has spent time at Millersville, where he was a graduate assistant, and also gained experience at Messiah, Tufts, and Harvard. Uh, we also have joining us tonight, Justin Wilson. Justin is in his second year as a director of communications at the Atlantic Coast Conference. Justin also spent six years at NC State University. And finally, we have Josh Foster, who is in his first year as associate director of communications at Vanderbilt, and he was previously at Duke University. So I wanna welcome in our panelists. Uh, my name is Andrew Middeman. I'm the Director of Athletic Communications at Covenant College. I'm in my ninth year in this position and I'm a member of the COSIDA U Committee. Um, this is a coffee shop that is a, a tag team effort between COSIDA U and the Young Professionals Committee and it's geared towards, uh, well, you all. Uh, students, undergraduate, graduate students or people who are interested in getting into the sports information or athletic communications industry. So. Uh, we want to welcome in everybody and our panelists, and we're going to have some fun over the next uh, 55 minutes or so. Um, so I want to start us off tonight um, by asking each of our panelists to talk about uh, their personal professional story and some of the duties that uh, they have at their particular institution. So I'm going to start with Allison. Uh, Allison, uh, give us a rundown on your background and what you do at Coker. Yes, uh, thank you, Andrew. Um, so I um, started my um, new position with Coker actually about a month ago. And I am currently the primary contact for softball, um, women's soccer, women's lacrosse, esports, acro and tumbling, and cross country. And um, obviously, I've been in the D1 level for prior to that. And so D2 is a really different and level. But um, but yeah, with D2, there's a lot of work than what you do at D1 because, you know, I mean, where I am, I mean, it's me and two other people. And, um, and so um, not only do we um, also write for our, 
for our um, sports, but we also um, help out with stats and um, game operations during um, um, other for um, all of our games. And um, and and obviously, I mean, I have a really big passion for stats as well. And I've done basketball stats for um, for several years, and now I'm learning um, stats for other sports. But um, D2 is a whole different level um, than, um, than D1. And, uh, and I, I think um, my advice to you guys on whatever division you decide to go at, each division is different. And so um, that's something you gotta consider when you, um, when you, you um, look at which division you wanna be at um, in the profession. But I also encourage you to check out um, all divisions and see what the background is like. Right. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm Ryan Tom. Um, kind of, I've in my duties. Um, I share eight sports. Uh, my boss, Griffin Spencer, is on this call too. Uh, he has nine sports, um, and we kind of share other roles within the department. Um, but I have eight sports. Uh, professionally, I grew up at a D3 school at Endicott College. Um, shadowed by Sean Medeiros, um, kind of just grew loving D3, and then I kind of went into a realm of going into different experiences within D2, and I do one with the internship at Harvard. Um, like what Allison said, it's all about comfort level and finding what you are comfortable in. Um, yeah, so it's a lot about is gaining and experience just through everything. Very good. Justin? Perfect. Thanks so much, Andrew. And uh, thanks, everyone, for being a part of uh, this Cosada Coffee Shop tonight. I'm excited to be with you all. Um, I am Justin Wilson. Um, and as Andrew mentioned, I am the Director of Communications for the Atlantic Coast Conference. Um, it's a very uh, exciting job. Um, we. I am responsible for all the communication efforts for women's basketball, women's soccer, um, rowing, um, as well as uh, baseball as well, um, or my four sports. Kind of forgot that last one there for some reason. It's kind of ironic because we had a, a pretty historic day in, in ACC baseball. We were the uh, first Power Five conference um, to have an all-Black umpiring crew today, so kind of coinciding with our uh, Winter Unity Week. Um, as well as Black History Month celebration for our conference. Um, it was exciting to have that today um, over at the University of North Carolina as they uh, uh, played against Virginia. So I was coming back from that earlier today, So, but excited to be here with everyone. Um, I got my start in this business um, in college. I um, kind of just stumbled upon this career. Um, I've always been the guy who knew the random stats and the random tidbits about the players and teams and coaches that you know all of my friends you know never knew or never even cared about. And then once I found out, you know, about this business and, and we are the ones essentially behind the scenes that are kind of pulling all the strings and doing all the research and everything, I really fell in love with the business. Um, so I think it's a great business to be in. Love being a researcher and, and being able to tell the stories and um, successes of all of our student athletes and programs. So it's just uh, very exciting to be here with you all tonight. And thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Justin. Josh? Hi, everybody. Um, thanks for being out here tonight. Uh, my name is Josh Foster. I'm currently the Associate Director of Communications at Vanderbilt, and I'm the primary contact for baseball and secondary for football. 
his pretty fun job. Uh, actually, today just hit 200,000 followers on Instagram for our baseball account. So we're like the only baseball account that has 200,000 followers. So it's pretty cool from a social media standpoint. But um, I got my start in the profession. I was actually an athletic training major because that's all that I thought was an opportunity to be in athletics. That's all I knew about. And then I realized science wasn't for me at Alabama. So I ended up coming across a guy who worked in external at Kentucky and he helped me get my foot in the door at Alabama working in an athletic comms office. So I was able to work with baseball and football for about three years, um, including undergrad and graduate school. And then from there, I was able to land an entry level job at Duke as like the sports information assistant. And I was working with, I was a secondary contact for men's basketball and primary for track and rowing. And I was just fortunate about four months into the job, opening happened and I was promoted to assistant sports information director serving as the primary contact for baseball and women's soccer. So there I was there for about two years and we ended up playing Vanderbilt in the super regionals in 2019. And there I kind of met a lot of people from Vanderbilt and made connections that way. And two years later, I'm here. So um, glad to be here with you guys tonight. I'm not going to talk about what happened in that super regional, Josh. We won't. We won't. Yeah, I mean, I'm still scarred from that. <laughs> well, you, you might touch on that a little later. Um, as I mentioned, I'm Andrew Mindeman. I'm the director of athletic communications at Covenant College. Um, I'm in my ninth year here. I'm a Alum of Covenant, uh, graduated in 2012, um, and gained a lot of experience as an undergraduate here at Covenant. Um, going into my final semester of my senior year, the SID at Covenant uh, left, and there was nobody on staff who knew how to do the job except for me as a student. Um, so I was sort of hired as a, a interim type basis for that semester and uh, gained a lot of experience basically doing a, a, a lot of director level type stuff um, and parlayed that into a full-time role here a few months after I graduated and been here ever since. So uh, it's great to have you all here again. Um, let's jump into some of our topics and um, I'm going to let each of our panelists uh, sort of talk about uh, each of these topics, but then kind of when we get to the end, if there are any questions, uh, feel free to unmute yourself and speak up or throw something in the chat um, that, that we can get to after each topic. Um, so we're going to talk about the the evolution a little bit of this profession and the skills that are needed in an ever-changing uh, field. Um, I've been in this field for nine years and it has completely changed since 2012. Um, social media was very much in its baby stage back in 2012. So I'm interested to hear from our panelists about the changes that they've seen, the skills needed uh, to adapt and to uh, stay up to date on everything. So uh, let's start with uh, Justin on this topic. Perfect, thanks Andrew. I was actually uh, kind of looking right next on my, on my desk here and kind of looking at one of the things I have and I was uh, taking some photos earlier when I was at the uh, the UNC uh, Virginia game. And I think that's kind of one of the things that um, is very beneficial in this business is, is being able to essentially be a Swiss army knife and having, you know, a bunch of different skills in your, um, in your skill set. So being able to take some photos, shoot some videos, as well as uh, the ability to write and speak well. Um, communicating effectively is probably one of the, the main things in this business. Um, we communicate with someone almost daily, whether it's via email, 
um, via text or phone call. Um, so just being able to communicate and speak and write well, as well as um, photos, videos, uh, Photoshop, InDesign. Um, I think the business is really trending towards uh, social media um, and anything that you can do that's visually appealing. So visual storytelling versus, you know, the days of, of writing long recaps or long stories. Um, you know, everyone kind of wants to, to click on a video these days and see um, a graphic that kind of tells a story or be able to see a video that kind of tells a story as well. Um, so without kind of stealing the thunder from everybody else, I'll, I'll stop there and see what everybody else has to add. Uh, Allison, you got anything? Yes. Yeah, so um, I actually um, actually didn't decide I wanted to go into this uh, profession until I was a senior at Liberty. That's where I was a student worker all four years. Um, I graduated from LU in 2019. And, um, and I haven't been in this profession for a long time. I mean, I'm just getting started. But um, I remember sitting in on a lot of um, coffee shops with um, some veterans. Um, and I, I know um, one SID I sat on a coffee shop with, um, he, was, um, he was previously at Virginia Tech, um, Bill Dyer. And, um, and obviously I remember him talking about, um, you know, what it was like back then, you know, like back then they like did stats on paper. And well, today we're doing stats on our laptops. And, and so um, it, every, a lot has changed um, with technology use um, and how we use it, you know, whether it's our phone or laptops, um, stats or doing social media. Um, I would have to say that would have to be um, one of the things that is changing and who knows what other stuff involving technology could, um, could be invented in the near future. Josh? Yeah, I agree. I agree with both Justin and Allison. I think one thing about the sports information world is that it's rapidly changing before our eyes. If you look at the profession now, it's totally different than it was 10 years ago. And if you look 10 years from now, it's going to be totally different from that. So responsibilities are growing and the way people consume information is changing by the second. But as we get more responsibilities and as we get more tasks to manage, the one thing that doesn't change is the amount of time that we have. That's a limited resource. So it causes us to be become more efficient and become more creative in the ways that we disperse information in the way that we go about our jobs. So whether that's not writing two page recaps and choosing to tell a story through Twitter, because that's how people are going to consume information or putting together a photo, photo gallery, because that'll tell the story. Um, people are just consuming information in totally different ways. So I think we just have to adapt with the times. Um, sports information is just, like I said, it's rapidly changing. So we have to be become creative and we have to change with it because people are going to continue to consume information in a different way. Like I'm creating TikToks now. I never thought if you would have asked me a year ago, I, I would, never would have thought I would be creating a TikTok, but we have a TikTok account. So we just have to get with the times because that's what fans are viewing. They want to see TikToks. They want to see Instagram. They want to see Twitter. So people care about that more. And that kind of goes more into building team brands now, more so than websites, because people aren't following the website like they used to, or the media guys or the game notes. So we just have to be, become more creative and efficient with the time that we have.
Ryan, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I got a few stuff, but I agree with all of my panelists on everything that is ever changing. I, I think a, a big part of it is for me and kind of in the D3, D2 realm is being flexible. I think no matter what, you have to be flexible, no matter where you are, you got to know a, every, a lot of what is about athletics and just kind of know an overall sense of what is athletics. And then I think from there, that will help you ever keep ever changing. If you have that core idea of what athletics is, no matter where it is, it will really help you to have that idea of that. And then kind of going a little to Justin, Justin and Josh say, I think social media is huge right now. I think like it is ever changing still, like by the minute, by everything, I think more of it is focused on captions. Like we had a good discussion, Andrew, like how long will we make a idea of a caption and how will that be better than just writing a recap? And how much will that actually student athletes appreciate that more than just the write-up? So I think a lot of it is knowing your audience and doing a lot of research on that. Yeah, uh, social media is obviously a, a big thing right now. Um, and Justin touched on a, a couple other things, you know, being able to take photos, doing things in Photoshop. Uh, so a little bit of graphic design, a little bit of video editing. Um, and really the, the big thing is being able to communicate and doing that in through different avenues. Uh, whether it's writing uh, formally for a recap or a, a feature story or more informally doing tweets or captions on Instagram posts or TikToks or whatever. Um, for the panelists, it, it, name a couple basic skills that everybody has to have to get into this profession. What, what are some core skills that you need to have if you're going to pursue this as a career? I'll throw this open to any of the panelists. I'll start. Um, I think the main thing you should definitely have is um, good writing skills. I mean, you got to have good writing skills to like write recaps, previews, and feature stories. Second, graphic design, because there are going to be moments where you're going to have to create, um, create content for uh, social media. And third, um, stats, because you never know when you're going to be asked to stat a game. Yeah, I agree with Allison. Um, stats is a big part. Um, I also think interpersonal skills. Um, you got to interact with so many people in athletics. If it's coaches, media, staff, I think it's a lot of communication skills that we all talked about, but it's knowing how to read the room and your athletes too you have to be able to communicate with with those 18 to 22 year olds so yeah very good yeah i would just add um flexibility um just being flexible um you know not necessarily uh having you know uh something in mind every day when you go to the office, um, just kind of in this business, you never know, you know, what could be coming down, you know, the next day, which is one of the things I love most about this business. You know, you can be uh, having a regular day and the next thing you know, you have breaking news, you know, a player gets a certain award that 
know, that you didn't know was coming out, or maybe you have a, you know, a head coaching change or something like that, or you have somebody in the department that retires, or and then you have something that you're, you know, kind of dealing with um, that you didn't necessarily expect to be dealing with when you got to, to the office that day. Um, so I think flexibility is, is very important in this field as well as, as well as excuse me, um, time management and, and organizational skills, because um, you'll have, you know, several emails come in and, you know, and I always try to get back to every email within 24 to 48 hours. Um, you know, even if you don't have the answer, just saying, hey, you got your email, I'm working on trying to get an answer for you and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Um, goes kind of goes back to that communication piece, just kind of everybody um, likes to get a response, you know, when they send an email. So it's, and it's the same for you. So always trying to extend that same courtesy to everyone else as well. Josh, you want to add in anything? No, I think Justin really hit it on the head. Uh, being able to communicate, that's kind of one of the fundamental responsibilities of the job. And like Allison said, being able to write as well. I think at the core of what we do is communicate. And so that's, whether that's to our student athletes, to our coaches or to the outside media, we're communicating first and we have to be organized with that. And like Justin said, time management, because as I said earlier, like time is the one thing that we're not getting more of. It's a limited resource. So we have to be able to use our time wisely and to add on to what I was saying about the evolution and uh, the profession being revolutionized, we just have to realize that we can't be stuck in our ways and we have to adapt with the times, but as well, we still have to stick to the fundamental principles of the job. Okay. Uh, any questions from our... Uh from our group here for either of these panelists. I don't see anything in the chat, but uh, if you have any questions, you can uh, either speak up or put it in the chat. Um, I, I do have a quick question. I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, my name is Matt McIntosh and I go to a small D3 school uh, called Shenandoah University. Um, and I, I just asked them if I could start writing post-game stories for them. And I'm going to start doing that this weekend. And we kind of go by, um, you know, our two SIDs. Uh, one does kind of long way. One does the bullet point way. Which guy or which way do you guys kind of prefer or do? Because I forget who brought it up, but someone did kind of say just put the bullet points in. Good question. It's a hot topic in this profession, I think. Very hot topic. I mean, I think – I think either way is fine. It's kind of ironic. I was just having this conversation yesterday after our game because I was trying to figure out which way we should do. I opted in and said that this year we should try a different way of writing out recaps and making them more short and concise and having like the first two paragraphs be kind of a story of the game and then the meat uh, as far as the scoring sequences down and kind of like the how it happened. And if you have any game notes about the game, put those at the bottom just to make it more quick, short, and it's not as lengthy because nine times out of 10, most people are following the story through social media now and game recaps, you spend an hour trying to write them and not too many people read them because they've already saw the story on Twitter. But I think either way is fine, but I just think being being efficient 
So whatever way works more efficient for you is if, if you can do that within 30 minutes and you can write a nice, solid, concise recap, or if you can write a bullet point recap within 30 minutes, whatever works for you is kind of figuring that out. Every school is gonna do something different. And we often find ourselves looking at another school, trying to see what they do and compare it to ourselves. Like, oh, we can take that, we can use that format. So um, that was something that I saw, I saw at my uh, former boss doing it at Alabama, writing the short bulleted recaps. And I'm like, okay, I'm gonna steal that. And he stole it from somebody at Florida. So everybody's always looking at other people for advice. And I think either way is fine, but just making sure you do it in an efficient way and not spending too much time on it because we can't, we can't just spend an hour on writing a recap when we have other stuff to do. That's a very good answer, Josh. Yeah, I think that's a fascinating question you asked, uh, Matthew. Um, and I think um, I think there's there's a benefit, um, especially um, as an undergrad. I think maybe um, the long form of a recap kind of gives you an appreciation for writing, um, and it also gives you an appreciation, and, and it also gives you an opportunity to really learn how. Um, to summarize the game and really get um, hit the, the main points and make sure that you're covering um, essentially all of the essentials of the recap. Um, and then I think like once you develop those skills and you're proficient in it, then I think later you can maybe switch to, you know, a bullet form recap where it's not as long um, and it's a little more concise and just kind of, you know, your quick hit, so to speak, where you're getting, you know, the information directly. But I also think there's, you know, there's beauty in storytelling. Um, you know, and, and I think that, you know, there's also a population that's that's also reading um, the long read, the long recaps, the long previews. Um, and then there's also, you know, your population that's, you know, they click into a story and they scroll down to the bottom to see how long it's going to take to read or see how how many uh, words are in the, the article. Um, but I think just from a developmental standpoint, as far as gaining your skills and building up your skill set in this business, um, I think the you know, the, I definitely have an appreciation for when I first started um, writing recaps and I was writing long recaps as well as feature stories that were, you know, 1,200 words, 1,500 words, 1,600 words. And you're like, wow, where do I go from here? Um, and I think it just kind of gives you, you know, an appreciation for, you know, writing and just kind of helps better your skill set. So I think, um, you know, there's there's a merit to both of those. And then, you know, in Josh's uh, case in particular, you know, with the, the number one, one of the, the top teams in the country in, in baseball, you know, they may not necessarily have to write a, as long a recap just because, you know, people are, you kind of know a little more about their program, but I think it also gives you an opportunity to, to expound on your program, your team, if you do write a longer recap or a preview. Very good question. Any other uh, questions at this moment? Uh, I do. I got, I got it one. Um, I mean, I'm, I don't know if anyone else is in the same situation as I am, but um, I'm break, trying to break in like a kind of a switch career, so, so to speak. So I was a sports writer for almost 10 years, um, and now I'm trying to switch over. I just completed a, gra a master's program at Georgetown, um, and obviously I'm trying to break in. I, I'm currently a part-time – I'm just starting part-time at Lafayette College, which is in the Patriot League. Um, it'll be starting next week. But all the skills and all the assets that you guys have mentioned, I've heard, and I don't. I agree with all of them. Um, I feel like I have those things, but at the 
so it's my question in long-winded sort sort of speak is that when i'm i've been applying for jobs forever and is it normal to like not hear back from people you know or from companies you know from you know 50 you know like i apply like to 15 of them and i don't hear back until like i don't know six weeks or four weeks or whatever it is but i feel like is there something i can do better whether it's my resume or it's my skills or whatever it is to try to break in because it's i'm in a i'm in an interesting transition so to speak and i think everybody is but maybe i'm just the you know outlier so anything i can i i feel you i mean i went through the same thing um last year i mean i was a free agent for seven months um following my time um as my internship at the um wbca and um yes i i remember what i went through and i mean Obviously, I mean, looking back, I think probably the main reason why I was struggling to find my next thing for seven months is because the pandemic um, really caused a tough job market. Hmm. And, and, you know, I, and I remember, um, I remember how I felt when, um, when I was applying for jobs and I interviewed for them and then all of a sudden I get turned down, they go with somebody else. And, um, and these were, um, these were some things I, um, there were a lot of things um, I, um, I thought about, like, what was I doing wrong? Um, what can I do better? And, you know, um, how can, one of them making your resume look good, um, maybe have a, somebody look over your resume and, um, and interviews. Um, you could like do a mock interview. COSIDA actually has opportunities for you to do some of those things. Um, I actually did a mock interview with uh, Courtney Archer from the um, from the Southland Conference um, through COSIDA and she gave me some really good feedback. And um, I think I one, one tip I remember was that um, one thing I learned from her and actually also learned from my mentor Barb Koal was also on the call. Um, she, um, the one thing you can't do during an interview is regurgitate your resume. You got to make sure you keep it short and concise. And if you keep your answer short and while also at the same time showing your passion for the profession, you should be set. You'll be set. Um, you know, um, just do your best and um, find ways that you can um, perfect your um, resume. Um, don't be afraid to ask for help. And and also at the same time, don't give up on the on the job search process. Yeah, there are resources uh, from COSIDA to help you out with your resume, with your uh, interviewing skills. Uh, the Job Seeker Board at COSIDA has some uh, really cool things. Um, if, you do, if you go to COSIDA.com and then go under the Careers tab, uh, there's some information yeah. there. Um, about finding jobs, number one, but also um, there's a there's a peer review for resumes. Um, there's yeah. people on that committee that will look at your resume and help you uh, build that, and sharpen that up. Um, and so it's it's a wonderful um, opportunity that uh, that you can have through that. One thing I would add, uh, just to, to talk about it, I think. 85% of the time when a job opens, people already have somebody in mind on who 
they want for that position. So the big, and we're going to talk about this more in depth in a, in another topic, but the thing about it is networking and just having connections. So doing that on the front end. So once jobs open, then it becomes much easier to get an, get an interview or become one of the top candidates just because people are going to hire somebody that they know. And when they post the jobs, it's more of a formality or just to see like what kind of candidates will they attract. But in the back of their heads, they are in the back of their minds, they already have somebody in mind that they view as a perfect candidate. So the main time and job, the main thing in job search, the, the job is done or the search is done before it even the job even opens. So it's all about doing that work on the front end, building connections and reaching out to people and just making those relationships so that even if it's not a job with a guy that you know, maybe he knows someone at that job that he can put in a good word or she can put in a good word. So it's it's all about networking and connections because nine times out of 10, that'll do the trick and you won't even have to worry about it. But that's just what I've realized in a lot of time in, in the last couple of years that I've seen job openings or I've experienced job openings and connections have been the key. So just having connections and fostering those relationships intentionally though, not doing it with an ulterior motive or anything like that, but just intentionally doing it and creating a good friendship relationship and network so that when something does open or when there is an opportunity, they'll think about your second nature. So that just kind of alleviates all of the pain and the frustration when it comes to job searching, because that goes a long way. Yeah, I think that's that's fantastic, Josh and Allison. I'll kind of uh, piggyback off of um, both of you all just a little bit there with with some advice. And um, I think what Allison said about, you know, your mentors in this business is fantastic. Um, you know, a lot of times you have, you know, great mentors, the people that you know in this business, um, you know, they're advocating for you sometimes. You don't even know what, that they're advocating for you. Um, so, you know, for example, um, say, um, you know, one of my mentors knows, you know, a bunch of people in this business and, you know, they may know somebody who's hiring um, for a particular job and then they can, you know, give that person a call and say, hey, I've got this really good candidate. Um, you know, he'd be great for this position. Um, you know, you should give them an opportunity, maybe at least bring them in. And a lot of times, you know, that can at least get you one foot in the door. And then from there, um, you know, it's up to you essentially to kind of, you know, display yourself um, in the manner that you'd like um, during the interview process, as well as your, your credentials and your resume and everything. Um, but yeah, it definitely can be tough um, when you don't hear back, you know, from, from different schools or different institutions. Um, I think that the one thing that, you know, you can always do is, is continue to um, try and knock down those doors by, you know, reaching out to any schools that, you know, maybe in your area within driving distance and saying, hey, you know, can I come volunteer? Can I come work a game? Um, when you do work a game, if you have an opportunity to connect with, you know, the opposing team's SID um, or maybe even somebody in their administration, um, you'd be surprised at, you know, the opportunities and, you know, the, the uh, you know, the opportunities that can come about from just having a conversation with people. Um, whenever I travel with programs when I was at NC State, um, or even when I travel now at the ACC and I'm at uh, different events, um, I'm always, you know, excited to meet other people from other conferences, as well as, you know, uh, potential uh, people who want to be in this business as well, and happy to pass along, you know, any information and, and you know, take their card name information, 
um, then we connect sometimes over Zoom, especially during this landscape now. Um, you know, you can reach out to some people in this business and say, hey, can I have, you know, maybe 20 minutes of your time and then, you know, come up with uh, kind of like an agenda of what you want to talk about, you know, on that call and then just really be able to establish a connection and relationship um, with some some mentors or some of the, uh, the veterans in this business that are really well connected. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, I'm going to go off. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, do I have permission to speak a second time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go, go oh, ahead. Okay. Thank you. I'm going to piggyback what uh, Josh said. And actually, um, yeah, connections are very important. And I was very fortunate to have made a lot of connections during my free agency. But um, I have a little story um, about one connection I have. Um, so um, how I got the summer internship position at the University of Florida. It wasn't actually an actual position. It was a creative position for me um, mm -hmm. to help me finish my undergrad work in sport management. And um, I happened, um, I'm friends, I'm actually friends with the women's basketball head coach um, at UF. That's actually how I got it. We uh, knew each other during my high school um, days when um, he coached um, two of my high school teammates at Belmont. And um, in 2017, he took the job at Florida. Not, and I did not realize that two years later, I would be reaching out to him about um, opportunities. And he copied uh, their SID, who also um, started um, around the same time. And, and then um, I got on, on the phone with him to talk about it. And um, they created they gave, um, they um, he got the green light for um, the summer intern position, and um, I accepted a couple weeks later, and and had a great summer down there, and and now uh, their SID is one of my mentors to this day, and so don't be afraid to um, make to um, go out there and make connections. I mean, you know, um, when you make connections, you are showing that this is where you want to be, and um, and don't be afraid to ask any questions. Don't be afraid to send them their resume um, because you never know what doors can open for you. Um, since we're on this topic, I think we should just go ahead and continue on with uh, talking about networking and, and sort of how to get started. Um, now instead of waiting till later. Um, I, I think sure. this is a perfect segue for this. So we've, we've talked about networking a little bit. Um, what about for those uh, college students um, that are thinking about this as a career? You know, uh, Matthew McIntosh is uh, doing things at Shenandoah. Uh, what advice would you have for uh, college students or maybe recent graduates that are trying to uh, get into this profession? Yeah, I'll start, I'll start off. Um, I think it's big to get internships during those times. I think uh, whether it's a full-time internship, I think, or just a little semester one. I did one winter one over my little three-week break with Harvard. Um, that opened so many doors for me with, again, as we go back to connections, it's just however amount of time you have, just go apply somewhere, send them their resume, and all SID jobs, really, we all need the help. So um, a lot of it is just sending out that resume. Um, 
getting into a little bit of it, once you graduate, I would recommend graduate assistance. That is a really good, except one part of it is academics. Yes, you gotta go back to school, but it is worth it. I think that's really good. Having, you will have um, sports and you sport contacts, but I think it's really important to get those internships and kind of make those connections. If it's just in your own college, we all talk about that college. There is always an SAD at a college. The biggest advice, the biggest advice I would say is be intentional, but flexible. And to the outside person, I think those might sound contradicting, but when I say intentional, I mean having a clear definitive vision of what you view for yourself or goals that you aspire to have. And then flexible by being flexible, knowing that you can work towards those goals, but you might not necessarily fall into them right away. So for an example, you might be someone who's very passionate about football and basketball and want to be a primary football and basketball contact, but an opportunity might come about and it's with track and rowing or volleyball and being flexible by accepting that opportunity and working in that, but still having your vision on what you want and being intentional by working in that role and preparing yourself for when that baseball, I mean, that basketball or football role does come. So being flexible and just networking, for instance, kind of how Allison was talking, the job that I landed at Duke, I kind of got connected with it through one of my good friends who was an intern at Alabama. He had previously interned for the primary basketball contact at Duke, and he put me in contact with him. And based off of that, it's just how the connection happened. And I didn't even really apply at first. I didn't even know about the job. And it wasn't something that I was really too interested in because I was in grad school and I had another semester. But after talking with the basketball contact at Duke, it was like, okay, this is something that probably would be good for me. And it encouraged me to apply. So just continually networking and building friendships and relationships throughout the business and the industry and reaching out. And now is prime time because crossover in the spring a lot of sports are going on and you can just reach out and help wherever you are with whether it's with your college or whether it's a nearby university everybody needs help everybody wants help nobody's going to turn help or help away so going and getting that experience because experience is key and once you work for somebody they know somebody and then that person knows somebody as well because every all the business is interconnected everybody knows everybody some way somehow so that is key and that'll help you kind of get started. Yeah, I think that's, that's fantastic, um, Josh. Um, one thing that I would say about um, kind of networking um, would be to, uh, when you first start in this business, you know, don't necessarily expect to, you know, to be able to come in on top, so to speak. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about my story. When I first started, um, at NC State um, as a student assistant. I was uh, working in the basement. Um, I was organizing photos um, that were in our, our photo room. And so I was moving photos of, you know, Ted Brown and um, Tom Gugliata and, uh, you know, Julius Hodge and a bunch of other former NC State greats that were 
kind of unorganized in the basement and I was sorting through all those photos and putting them into folders um, for each of those those respective players and, and a ton of others for at NC State. And it, it wasn't something that was glamorous, um, but it's something that, you know, I learned a lot of character from um, and appreciation for the process um, and also for the business as well. So I think a lot of people um, make mistakes when they try to come in this business of, you know, wanting to come in on top, you know, wanting to come in, um, you know, with very little experience and wanting to be the men's basketball or a football contact or the baseball contact. Um, I think one of the best things that you can do in this business is, is volunteer your time and learn sometimes. Um, so a lot of a lot of people shy away from unpaid internships um, or the experiences that you can you can get from when you're just volunteering. Everybody wants to know, you know, how much am I getting paid for this opportunity? And I, and I always respond that you're getting paid with experience. Um, you're getting paid with knowledge. You're getting paid with networking. Um, you're getting paid with the opportunity um, to build your resume and all these skills and to also be in this environment so you can say, um, hey, I, I volunteered at the NHL All-Star Weekend, or hey, I volunteered, you know, at the ACC. Um, so when I was a student at NC State, I used to volunteer at all the championships um, with the ACC, and little did I know that I was essentially being interviewed back then, um, and, you know, and I was doing, you know, a good job, and, you know, so when this position did come available, I was able to, you know, reach out to the ACC and be able to, to get this position with the ACC, but I think just that the volunteer experiences are really, really key in this business. And I'll go on top of that. Um, so when I was at the um, uh, when I was at the WBCA, I attended the 2020 Emerging Leaders Seminar at the NCAA, and I remember meeting um, I remember meeting um, a few um, who were um, already in the SID industry. Um, I, I think one of them is actually on this call, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> but uh, we became a we became became really good friends after that. And I think looking back on that experience and just um, learning how important connections are um, is key. And, um, and you know, um, just um, I've, I've really had been very blessed to have connected with so many different people in this business, whether it's um, interviewing for a job or um, meeting them at events like ELS or um, COSIDA convention um, or um, through a mutual friend who I've known for years and, um, you know, just, um, and just having someone I could sit, um, sit down and talk with about like my goals and, um, what I'm interested in doing. And, um, I've also, um, had some freelance opportunities, um, with Duke during the summer, um, after, um, friending with their women's basketball, women's golf SID, um, last year. And when I was looking for freelance opportunities to do, um, he gave me my first assignment of writing a feature story uh, for their women's basketball program and followed uh, by another story on their golf program. And so, so you never know what you can get from those connections because who knows, they could, they could have something you could work on um, um, while you're looking for your next thing. I mean, don't be afraid to, to ask for um, if you need, um, if they need help or, um, like with writing or um, anything in the office, such as archives or um, working games. And another thing I also did was um, before, during my free agency was um, something called the scores table. That's a, um, it's a really great, um, great company. They work with, um, they work um, providing stats for um, all sporting events um, here in the Southeast. Um, I'm pretty sure they do some here in South Carolina. Um, I um, had the, I was very fortunate to, 
work a lot of games at uh, Tennessee State, Belmont, and Vanderbilt, and actually worked with um, one of Josh, Josh's uh, co-workers <laughs> at men's bas- in uh, women's basketball games. And, um, but, um, but yeah, I would encourage you guys to explore because you never know what you can, um, what you can find um, that you could end up doing that's really, really cool. And I mean, what, and what, whatever things you can find that you, that you can do, whether it's working games or helping on the office, it will look really good on your resume. Shout out to Lindy Brown. <laughs> and Eric Dolan. <laughs> Just the one thing that probably my last comment, it's this, this industry is very small. Everyone knows everyone especially in Cosada, everyone knows everyone. So once you get that connection, I got to shout out my Cosada mentors. Cosada mentorship program is a very good uh, utility to use once you're getting in, because then you have a whole year of just getting to know someone and then really having that connection for life. So I would recommend that if I could give any advice. Yeah, this is all really good stuff. Um, yeah, if, if you're in a position to volunteer, if you're a, a college student on campus right now, I guarantee your SID on campus needs some help. So volunteer your time. Um, I did that and, you know, here I am. Um, if you're uh, not in a college, um, still reach out to a local school, um, even a, a JUCO or any small division school. It doesn't have to be a D1. Uh, reach out anywhere and uh, offer your services to them. Uh, we had a couple questions coming on the chat that uh, I want to get to. Uh, Steve asked about uh, how often you would recommend reaching out to people within your network um, after the initial connection. Um, anybody want to talk about that? Steve, if you want to get on and uh, clarify that anymore if you want, or uh, we can go ahead and see what the panelists think about that question. Yeah, I was just saying that. So I work for a division three conference. And so like a lot of my connections are uh, crazy busy commissioners and deputy commissioners where I don't want to be like, you know, intruding on them trying to figure out when and how they're going to be doing games uh, for the rest of the winter going into spring. So just I guess, and in general, if it was like a non-pandemic year, like how is it too often to reach out to somebody you've networked with to, without wanting to, you know, annoy them, quote unquote, so. That's yeah, a great I, question. Well, go ahead, Ryan, sorry. Uh, I'll start off. Um, I would say usually if it's a close connection, I would say maybe um, with one month, one a month-ish. Um, if it is a busy time that you think, I would say just send them a quick text or email just saying hope all is well, blah, blah, blah. But it, it's all about the effort and just providing them and knowing that you're there if you need help, stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's great, Ryan. I kind of have a little bit of a, a different perspective on it. Um, but I, I think it's just essentially it's all about, um, you know, essentially the, the content that you have for, you know, the person that, you know, that you're reaching out and connecting with. I think somewhere probably in the range of, you know, maybe every three, four, 
um, months or so. It seems like maybe about the, the right cadence, just depending upon what season it is. Um, so say like, for example, if, you know, if someone was connecting with me, maybe, you know, right before women's basketball season starts in November and, you know, maybe right, you know, before the tournament starts in March. So that way you can kind of, you know, see how I can take you through kind of my prep for the season and then also take you through kind of my prep for the tournament. Um, and then also maybe somewhere around like the May time frame ish, you know, because that's when we have the AC baseball championship. So I think it just kind of depends um, on whoever your mentors are um, and just kind of what what their schedule looks like, kind of when's their busy season. Um, and then what you what you hope to gain from, you know, reaching back out to that person. Is it just like a, you know, hello or are you saying like, hello, um, you know, how about this event? Could you tell me a little bit about, you know, this event that you all just hosted or kind of could you kind of take me through? You know, this recent announcement I just saw come out of you all's department um, where you decided to switch to this, this and this or, you know, you all decided to release a new logo. Um, can you kind of give me a little bit of insight into that process of kind of how the new logo design came or, you know, a, web, a redesign on a web page? Um, I think those are all really cool things. And, you know, whenever we have successes in this business, it's one of those things that we always we never mind sharing. So, I mean, everybody likes to talk about themselves for, you know, to a, a, a small extent, like everybody likes to you know, kind of reflect on their career and, and talk about some of the things that they've done well. Um, so I think that's that's always uh, really good to do. Yeah, to piggyback off that, I think I think that's a great uh, assessment, Justin. Just because knowing what they have going on, like just kind of trying to tailor your your reaching out to them around what they have going on in their schedule is is key. And I think just being genuine, that's that's also a big thing, just because a lot of the times people have a lot of people reaching out to them just for different reasons. But if you foster that genuine relationship and it's not with an ulterior motive or anything like that, sometimes those relationships and those networks, you get more information out of that than you would if you were just pegging them with all types of questions, just trying to soak it, like just trying to get a, get a lot out of them. So if you could just be genuine with them, I think a lot will come from that networking and that relationship, whatever you have with that person, because people often gravitate towards people that they feel comfortable with. And if they feel comfortable with and that grow that friendship and that relationship, then it can grow exponentially. Very good. Uh, Nick had a question as well. A um, little bit different topic. Um, hang on. Um, talking about uh, work-life balance a little bit. Um, you know, in this profession, we end up working a lot of hours. Um, I know we're sort of running short on time, but I don't think there's anybody following us. So I don't mind staying on a few minutes later to, to, uh, work through some of these questions, but, uh, work-life balance, um, you know, we, it's not a 40 hour a week job generally, um, especially during the school year, it's more like 50 or 60 hours, um, unfortunately. So, um, how do you all work with your, uh, work-life balance? Um, I'll say something. Something I've been working on is, um, you know, um, 
whenever um, I'm at the office, I'm working, but whenever I'm at home, I need to find some time to self-care. And, um, and, you know, right now we are in our busiest time where we're playing all our spring sports, um, some of our fall sports as well. Um, and um, actually today we um, had one of our uh, fall sports uh, play today. But, um, but, you know, I mean, this is kind of like my first time. Um, so this is actually my first ever position to be in. I mean, I didn't have um, this kind of experience when I was a student worker and uh, intern. But, but, you know, I mean, what I've been learning is um, how I, um, is um, how to um, manage work balance. And, um, and if I need to do something for work, I would do that first before I do anything else. Um, and, and um, it all depends on like what goes on during the day, whether it's a game or, um, or um, any, anything important. Um, it's um, I'm obviously um, just um, obviously whether like um, a coach wants um, wants to announce a new signee to their team, and um, I um, I try I get that um, release ready to go out, or um, whether it's a game, I would do a preview the day before and a recap the day after, and um, and if there's not anything to post. Um, um, on, on one day, um, I would mostly be focused on, um, working with, uh, photos or, um, or, um, fixing stats or, um, anything that my boss needs me to do, um, during the day. But when I get home, um, if I don't, um, if, um, if, the, if our team is on the road, I'd be doing social media for the team, then write my recap. But if we don't have anything going on at the moment, um, then I find my time to self-care. And um, something that's obviously changing is that, you know, with COVID, um, I think the working from home life is starting to come in. So like, um, you know, there could, um, I mean, there could be moments if I don't have a home game I need to be at, um, I could work from home. Um, and so um, and so I think that's um, really exciting to see that, um, the work from home start to be incorporated into our industry. Um, and I think that will, that creates a lot of balance. So, um, so yeah, don't, I, I, so, I mean, I'm really glad that those options, new options and new things that we've never thought of um, would come into this. Andrew, can I chime in there? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think just the one thing it's prioritizing what needs to be done each day. If it is important for you to do this personally, make sure you have it on your to-do list that you will get it done. I think then from there, you can wrap around all what work is. I think not everything has to be around work, so you got to manage everything around. So a lot of organizational skills. Yeah, time management is key because obviously you got a lot of things going on, but you can't be spending 16 hours of your day working. Um, I have a wife and two kids and like I, I have to get home sometimes and uh, in a busy year like this, um, some things just aren't that important to get done. Yeah, they need to get done, but they don't have to be done right then. 
Um, so I, I think it's very important for the self-care aspect of it. Um, try to find some time uh, during the days. So if you know you're going to be at work late at night because of a game, see if you can come in a little bit later in the day. Don't come in at 8.30 in the morning. Come in at 11.30 or wait till after lunch to come in. Um, I took a two-hour break um, earlier this week, uh, this week just to take some time off because I've got games all week. Um, so you got to figure out ways um, to have some self-care in there to spend time with your family if you got one and um, spend time away from work. Um, Jackson wanted to talk about um, developing graphic design, photography, videography, and uh, social media stuff. Um, we, we are at nine o'clock, so if y'all uh, need to go, that's fine. Um, the panelists and I, I think we're good talking for a few more minutes to answer any more questions that anybody might have. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about this next. Um, developing your skills, especially in the, uh, the science of graphic design and video editing. Um, what are we, what, what would be some advice uh, for Jackson on that? I think there's no time like the present to work on your skills. And by applying them each and every day, I have a friend who, when he was at Alabama, he wanted to learn photography and he wanted to learn video editing. And so to learn that, he went with the smallest sport that he worked with and he started trying to create videos with them. And they appreciated the attention so much just because they don't get that on a normal basis. And it's not like they have a standard that they want because the bar is low. So you have the opportunity to create and curate content with them and work on your skills and hone your skills. So now he can do that for a bigger sport because he's kind of worked through the kinks and the early stages of his development. And he can apply that at a much broader scale now. So I think utilizing your skill set and applying it and really developing it on a day by day basis and using it actively with teams that don't get as much experience or he even takes photos of his brothers and stuff just because he wants to work on photography and pop it in the Lightroom and learn photo editing. So being able to apply that on a day-by-day -day basis and always work on your craft, you can never not work on your craft enough. And also just a small note as people pop out, um, with networking, you have five people right here that are open to networking and everybody who's on this call should reach out to all five of us and you have you you are already starting your network because we know each other and we know other people and it takes nothing to reach out to all five of us so just a tidbit that i wanted to add in before people start to pop off yes excellent thanks for adding that in josh um anything else for jackson from the panel yeah, I, I'll add in one thing there, um, too, is is that, you know, there's nothing like the Internet. Um, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I, I go to YouTube um, and find something if, you know, if I'm there's one thing that I'm missing on, you know, whether it's in Microsoft Excel or Adobe InDesign or Adobe Photoshop. And a quick search tells me, you know, exactly the one thing that I was doing wrong. Um, and then, you know, if you also sometimes you can kind of go down a little bit of a rabbit hole there you can kind of go through some Photoshop classes and kind of look at a video that's maybe, you know, five or 10 minutes where it shows you how, you know, how to, to uh, do cutouts, you know, in Photoshop, or it shows you how to 
um, you know, to do your tabs in, in InDesign or, or something like that. Um, but the internet is, is a wonderful tool. Um, and I know everybody loves being on the internet, probably on this call. Um, so I think it's just, you know, using the resources that you have, um, especially, you know, it's always accessible if it's on the internet. Um, so you can access it any time of day. And then you also, the other thing is, you know, there's nothing like experience. Um, so if, you know, if you have somewhere where you have access to a camera, um, you know, just checking out the camera and going out and taking some photos and trying to see what, what you can get, um, you know, you'd be surprised you don't necessarily learn how to get good until you've been taking photos for a while, or you don't necessarily get good at photo editing, video editing until you've been editing video for a while. Um, so I think it's just mainly just getting out there, getting started, um, and then just figuring out ways to, to better your craft. And I'll go off by um, saying that. Um, and um, so I um, I didn't really get into graphic design until I got to Florida. And I um, I remember my first uh, graphic to create was a GIF. Um, I I was scanning a lot of photos for one specific um, for one specific graphic, and my boss encouraged me, um, you know, see if you can create a GIF. And I had never created a gift before. I've seen gifts, but I've never, sorry, the sirens are in the background. Oh. Hold on. <laughs> okay, that was, that was, that was crazy. <laughs> okay, um, but back to what I was saying, my boss encouraged me to, um, to like look, look in Photoshop to, to at a tutorial of creating a gift a GIF, G-I-F, excuse me. But, um, and I found the instructions for it and I gave it a shot, did all the right things. And once I, um, I played it, 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 it was like, I'm like, wow, how, how did I do that? So you never know what you could learn when you're um, doing a Photoshop. And, um, and something I encourage you guys to do um, is also find a book on a Photoshop. I mean, you know, I, I, th I think Amazon has books on Photoshop and InDesign, After Effects, in After Effects, um, in, um, um, in Pro, um, I forgot, what's, what's that video, um, video um, thing called? In Premium? Premiere. Premier. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yes, um, but yeah, but yeah, the, they, they will definitely have those books. So I, I encourage you to get one. But also um, um, regarding um, other skills, like, um, you know, last year I um, audited um, a class, um, two classes at, um, at Middleton C State um, during my uh, free agency in photography and videography. And I learned a lot of skills um, during those classes. And obviously because of my photography class, I'm, I've been taking a lot of photos, especially for uh, softball for my own recap. <laughs> so that's been pretty fun to, to do, um, choose my own photo. And um, I also um, created a, a video on, um, I'm actually my, a silent film on my personal experiences um, during the pandemic and just all the loss that I dealt with um, from losing intern opportunities to moving back home during the pandemic. And all these projects I did during those classes, um, it was some, as I look back on them, I was really proud of what I accomplished with these skills. And, and so, um, so I, what I would say, I mean, if you really wanna like find some opportunities to um, learn about photography and videography, go to your local university and see if you can audit a class.
or um, or um, if you're a student there, you can always do classes like this um, just as an elective. I'll add in a, a few more things. Um, check out schools or teams, professional teams that you like on uh, Instagram or Twitter and uh, see what kind of graphics they put out there. Um, Cause you're gonna, that's gonna fill your head with different ideas on how to create a graphic and different ways to put information out there. Um, this is a, you know, we don't steal graphics, but us in this profession, we, we look at a lot of things that other schools do and go, oh, hey, you know, that was a really cool graphic. I think I could take that and maybe tweak it and do something similar for something for my team. We do that all the time. So if you're on Instagram or Twitter, you know, just follow, you know, your favorite professional team, your favorite college team, big time D1, low time, you know, D3, whatever. Um, and you're going to get a lot of cool ideas about, uh, about what you can do. And then if you have access to Photoshop, play around with something. Um, if you're not working for a, a school or an organization right now, you're just doing something on your own and, you know, create something on your own and see if you can make something work. Um, for social media, you know, if you're not at a school right now, um, you are probably on social media as well. So that can be your your place to start. And again, follow teams professionally, uh, collegiately, see what they do. How do they do in-game tweets? Um, how do they keep their fans engaged? Um, just by soaking that in, you're gonna take that knowledge to the next place. Um, and you can practice on your own social media stuff anyway. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be all centered around a game or performance. Um, you can utilize your own social media as a, a testing ground for how to work in emojis, how to, how to put in pictures, how to make sure things work. Um, those are, those are good places to start. Um, does that help Jackson at all? That's great. Thank you all. I appreciate it. Um, any other questions for the group about anything? We're past time, so we'll talk about anything. <laughs> we all are resources, so uh, you've got our names. Um, I didn't put up anything for our Twitter handles or anything like that, but I think that's on the story that was on Cosida or on the Cosida Twitter. Um, you know, feel free to give us a follow on on Twitter or LinkedIn or wherever. Um, we'd be happy to talk more. Um, there you go. Josh put his down. I'll put mine down by me. Um, Andrew, before we close out, can we can we close out on a nice little high note with everybody sharing kind of something like the the best thing that's you know they've they've done essentially in this business when they since they've been a part of it. Oh, just so absolutely. we give like a nice little spiel so everybody's like, yeah, oh, we're gonna we're gonna end on a on a big high note here. Yeah, let us stick around. Um, yeah, so Justin, you brought it up. So uh, that means you have to go first. All right, I sure will. Um, so for me, kind of growing up a big baseball fan, um, when I first, when I was an intern in 2013, um, NC State went to the College World Series. So going to Omaha, Nebraska was something I've always dreamed of. Um, grew up watching the World Series on TV. Um, NC State had a great team that year. It was your Trey Turner, who's a shortstop for the Washington Nationals, Carlos Rodine. Um, who plays for Chicago White Sox in the big leagues. So they were both first round picks that year. 
Um, so that was definitely a highlight of my career. Um, a few years before that, I went to uh, um, to the University of Oregon for the Super Regionals when I was working with the softball program. That was the first time in, in program history that the team had ever been to the Super Regionals. So it's really exciting to, to watch the student athletes achieve those successes. Very cool. Uh, Allison, highlight of your career. Actually, I have two. Um, one when I was at Liberty, the other when I was at Florida. But when I was at Liberty, we hosted the Big South Women's Basketball Tournament in 2017, 2018. And obviously, I'm very passionate about women's basketball, and I do want to be the primary contact for women's basketball one day. Um, but, um, but yes, um, I remember um, working a lot of the games um, at both tournaments, and it was just an amazing experience because I've always wanted to work a conference tournament and, and just having that come to Liberty um, was really awesome. And 2018 was probably the best year because that's when my alma mater won, <laughs> beat UNC Asheville who, um, who uh, won the year before in our, in our arena. <laughs> but, um, but 2018, I actually ended up working every game and I was not, I was not, assigned to work every game, but somehow some of our student workers couldn't show up. So I, um, I ended up taking everything. So that was, that was, that was really, that was really, really funny. Um, and incredible at the same time, there was actually one moment where we had a quarterfinals. We had four games in our quarterfinals one day and I had a kinesiology class, um, the, um, before that. <laughs> and, um, I was so, I mean, and obviously I knew I was going to be sweaty after kinesiology class. And like right after I got done, I took a shower and um, and came to the Vine Center at 1030 in the morning with wet hair and left and didn't leave until 1030 at night. And in Florida, um, even though there wasn't a lot of events going on um, because it was the summer. However, the Gator softball team was actually hosting their uh, regionals in um, in Gainesville um, at K Stokes. Um, field. I think that's what it's called. <laughs> I can't remember, but, um, but I, um, but they actually, um, won the regional and they, so they got a bid to host the super regional and we ended up playing Tennessee. And, um, and during my first week, um, that first weekend, I, um, I got asked to do the scoreboard for the super regional and, <laughs> And yes, it was a fun experience, except for that one moment where um, I made a mistake and the crowd just went berserk. <laughs> but overall, it was really fun getting to getting to do that and getting a Gator event under my belt. <laughs> Ryan, what about you? Uh, my favorite memory and kind of event was uh, what was it now? Three years ago, um, I was at Millersville as the uh, wrestling contact, and um, kind of it was more of the build-up experience of kind of covering the team all the way through. We went all the way to we had two guys qualify for NCAA Division II wrestling championships, um, and then kind of going through that all whole thing. And then actually get in to go with the team and those two individuals with coach to that in event and cover them was just a whirlwind experience. And one of our guys at 165 weight, he won and kind of that on a little technicality, but like still just going through that whole experience of like 
each time he won, experiencing that win as kind of a part of the team. I think that's why SIDs really enjoy their work. It's we get to experience the wins and losses as we were a part of the team. So that's kind of like my two cents. And I think it's really big of having that contact is big. So, yeah. NCAA tournaments are always the best. Those are always my favorite moments here. Uh, even Division Three, it's big time at Division Three. Uh, volleyball team uh, four years ago now uh, won a first round game in five sets. Uh, it's the first time that our school had ever won a contest at, at the NCAA tournament. So uh, that was big time. And we've been to a couple other tournaments and it's always fun uh, going to those things. Uh, Josh, what about you? <laughs> So I've had a really unique experience. I've been able to experience something cool at each of my stops. Growing up as a lifelong Alabama fan, as a student there, I was able to witness the 2018 National Championship. And I actually was on the sideline for that when Tua threw the pass on second and 26. And that was probably the craziest moment of my life. And then while I was working at Duke, I think one of the coolest things was Witnessing a Duke-UNC game, the atmosphere there was kind of crazy. And that was the Zion when he broke his shoe and Obama was there. It was just an unbelievable, unbelievable experience. And then fast forward to June, Kumar threw the no-hitter against us. And now I'm working with Kumar. So that was kind of awkward. And that was the first no-hitter in Super Regional history. And then just this past November, Sarah Fuller, with making history and being a part of that and the communications campaign for that, that was just unbelievable. And seeing just the national attention that it received being on the Scott Van Pelt show. And even with the inauguration, when she spoke there, just being a part of those communication efforts, I think it was just something that made it feel very rewarding to be a part of the industry and in the business. So I've had a lot of cool things happen so far in my young career. That is for sure. Um, thanks everyone for sharing those things. Um, we've got uh, a few more people on the call. Are there any other questions that you have for the group that you wanna have addressed tonight? All right, well, uh, feel free to reach out to any of us. So uh, we got our handles in the uh, comment section. So if you wanna follow us, be sure to grab those. Uh, before you head out, we appreciate you all joining us on this uh, Cosida Coffee Shop tonight. Uh, if you missed it or you want to pass it along to someone else, we are recording it. It should be available at some point on Cosida.com uh, for future viewing. Um, but in the meantime, uh, enjoy your night, everybody, and uh, hope you all are well and good luck on your uh, careers in the sports information industry. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you. <laughs>